Hello and welcome to the podcast for international relations and foreign policy analysis. I'm your host, Luke. So this is episode two today, and we're going to be talking about NATO, or more specifically, why so many are saying NATO is obsolete and uh, should be disbanded. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, I'll give a brief history of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, for that is what NATO stands for. It was first established on the 4th of April 1949, with originally 12 members, the United States, Canada, UK, France, Denmark, Belgium, Iceland, Italy, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Norway, and Portugal. Uh, Greece and Turkey would both join in the early 1950s. Uh, Now, the main aim of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization is to safeguard the security and freedom of its members through collective security, which is enshrined in Article 5 of the NATO Treaty, which states that an attack on one should be considered an attack on all. Now, the main uh, enemy, as you were, as as it were, uh, for NATO when it was first created was obviously the Soviet Union. And when in 1955 the Warsaw Pact was formed out of the communist states of Eastern Europe, that also became an, the main opposition for NATO. However, the Cold War is now over. The Soviet Union has disbanded somewhat, and has and Russia, the success, main successor state, has certainly reduced in size and capabilities, and the Warsaw Pact is now gone. With in fact the majority of Warsaw Pact members now joining uh, North the NATO, meaning uh, NATO now has currently thirty members. I won't list them all off for you. Uh, there will be a map showing the current NATO membership on the Facebook page, which you can find, and uh, there will be a link in the description of this podcast if you do not have uh, access currently to the Facebook page. Uh, Also, before we discuss why NATO may be obsolete, we'll also run through NATO's military operations. Uh, The first NATO military operation was under actually undertaken in Bosnia starting 1992 during the breakup of the former Yugoslavia and then again in Kosovo in 1999 again a air bombing campaign in the former Yugoslavia with against predominantly Serbia with the ethnic cleansing and genocide that was going on in the region the first time that Article 5 was actually triggered for NATO was actually when its strongest member, the United States, came under attack from Al-Qaeda in 2001, meaning that the NATO invasion of Afghanistan in 2001 was actually the first proper military response uh, triggered by the original aim of NATO, which is the defending its members. Since then, its military operations have expanded somewhat. It has conducted anti-piracy in the Gulf of Aden, off Yemen and Somalia since 2009. And then more commonly and more controversially recently, uh, it took part, It uh, led the coalition uh, intervention in Libya in 2011 to implement the UN Security Council Resolution 1973. And now let us discuss, is NATO obsolete? And I believe that at 
There's one core reason why it is obsolete, not due to its somewhat diminished military capabilities with its non-American partners, but I believe that the reason NATO is now obsolete is because the original enemy is gone. When NATO was first formed, all its members were under the threat of the Soviet Union and then the Warsaw Pact when it was formed. Even Turkey shared a board with the Soviet Union and faced the Soviet Black Sea Fleet. Uh, and in addition, this, ever since the Soviet Union had first been formed, there had been the concept of spreading the proletariat communist revolution globally, either through diplomacy or war. And indeed, Greece and Turkey had suffered from communist insurgencies in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War. And there was a fear that in the aftermath of the devastation of the Second World War, the Soviet Union would attempt to push the communism further into Central and Western Europe. And so that is why you had, for example, the US Marshall Plan, which was designed to counteract the influence of the Soviet Union and communism. But that was the main crux of NATO. It was there to oppose the Soviet Union now that the common containment of the Soviet Union in the form of Japan and Germany, which had to contain the Soviet Union for the past few decades prior to the Second World War, with them now gone, NATO had to step up. However, the Soviet Union is now gone and the Warsaw Pact has gone with it. And thus, the original geopolitical aim of all the members, which they all equally shared, is now gone. They now All its memberships now have different geopolitical ideas. Uh, let us quickly go through some of them. For example, Turkey, in recent years, is re-embracing its identity as a, a Middle Eastern state. Uh, we see this through its... Uh, commitment of troops into northern Syria, its commitment of troops into northern Iraq, and as well its recent deployment of troops and military equipment to Libya. But it is really looking to the Middle East rather than to NATO. Uh, the Eastern European states still uh, fear the potential of Russia, and ever since the annexation of the Ukra uh, Crimea by Russia and its continuing support for separatist insurgencies in the east of Ukraine, a lot of Eastern U European countries are worried that Russia may attempt to Crimea Mark II, if you would, especially countries such as the Baltic states, since they have large populations of ethnic Russians. So on the pretext of protecting uh, its Russian rights or citizen rights, uh, Moscow may always attempt to stage an incident, if you were, in Lithuania on the pretext of uh, human rights violations by the Lithuanian government and may attempt to seize part of the country, in a, if not all of it. This can also be extended to countries like Moldavia, which also has a somewhat Russian population, but what used to be a former part of the Soviet Union. Uh, Poland, through its historical mistrust and uh, conflict with Russia, is also naturally uh, fearful of any Moscow, any of Moscow's ambitions in Eastern Europe. France, on the other hand, does not seem to share Eastern Europeans' fear of Russia, nor does it share Turkey's ambition to engage more in the Middle East. Rather, France is set out clearly that it will aim to maintain its primacy in 
Francophone Africa. It's almost informal empire, if you were. And we've seen this through French deployments in countries such as Mali, where the French military has gone to the aid of various former French colonies in order to prop up governments against rebellion and insurgency and in order to safeguard French influence there. America, on the other hand, is no longer looking at Europe. Ever since the collapse of the Warsaw Pact and the Soviet Union, for many of America's foreign policy establishment, Europe is now what I guess you would class as a safe continent. The, it's, the conflict there is over and done with. It is at no immediate risk. And so America is repivoting and has repivoted, if you were, to other regions. You had uh, the focus on the Middle East under the Bush administration of uh, following the 2001 attacks by Al-Qaeda. And then under Barack Obama, we've seen, again, the so-called pivot to Asia, where America's focus is now on the Indo-Pacific region. And under Trump, that has only increased somewhat with it, his confrontation with China. And uh, for um, many other members of NATO, it has become redundant, uh, almost. Germany is under no longer immediate threat, and it has reunified for countries such as Norway and the Netherlands and Belgium. Again, they are under no immediate threat, but don't have any necessary international geopolitical ambitions or aims. And so they are seeking to cut what they perceive as unnecessary military budgets. We've seen this but uh, with the very few countries actually meeting their 2% GDP expenditure on NATO, which is required by the treaty. In addition, many of these countries in Europe now perceive, well, I wouldn't say their establishments per se perceive NATO as being used by the United States as merely an extension of its military and influence. But there are many who have commented that NATO is increasingly being used by the United States as a way to easily form multilateral coalitions so that its foreign policy, under the guise of being multilateral, doesn't look so unilateral, which tends not to go down well. As because it means that states around the world perceive America, if it's doing stuff by itself unilaterally, as somewhat of a playground bully. It's better to do things in mass numbers and look less bullish that way. And so a lot of countries, in, including in NATO, no longer perceive NATO as uh, being useful because there's no longer the unifying uh, threat of the Soviet Union. And therefore, everyone is seeking different political aims, and they're pulling apart, if you were. As I mentioned, you have France and North Africa, Turkey and the Middle East, the Eastern European countries are still focused on Russia, America is looking elsewhere, and countries such as Spain, Portugal, Germany, Britain, are not necessarily tied to certain aims. And that is why I believe that, ultimately, NATO either needs to be disbanded almost, or to have a radical transformation, because its original purpose it is no longer needed. It's to defend Europe from the encroachment of the Soviet Union threat of communism. But, you know, as I've said multiple times already in this podcast, that threat is gone. And so in order to avoid being drawn into 
regional conflicts, such as the potential that Turkey may have the potential to drag NATO into a conflict in the Middle East, or America has the potential to drag NATO into conflict with China, since many China, uh, US possessions in the Pacific, such as Hawaii, would come under NATO's jurisdiction, thus a hypothetical Chinese strike on Hawaii would trigger Article 5. NATO needs to completely rebrand itself. It needs to completely evolve. If necessary, it needs to try and pick up new members or potentially even shed old members in order to make itself new and useful and really modernise it for the 21st century's threats, if you were to its members. In some cases, uh, I would argue that it's beneficial to try and just reforge a completely new alliance for some of the members. Indeed, I have in the past hypothesised that the United Kingdom should maybe duck out of NATO, as it were, and aim to try and forge a far smaller alliance in order to protect its core interest in the Atlantic, for example, but that will avoid dragging it into conflict. So members such as uh, Canada, Brazil, Nigeria perhaps, therefore for the United Kingdom it would cover the entirety of the Atlantic, safeguarding possessions as, such as the Falklands and that, but the likelihood of the United Kingdom then being drawn into a major war on the far side of the world is greatly reduced. And so, ultimately, the lack of a common geopolitical enemy, I think, will doom NATO to obsoletism, obsoletism even, and that it needs to be massively overhauled or even disbanded and remade anew for it to survive into the 21st century. That will be all for this podcast. I'm going to keep this one short. Uh, it was a merely a quick discussion. I realised that from uh, the previous episode was longer than this, but I felt it was somewhat less directed. So I'm going to try and keep podcast short for the immediate future with uh, quick and brief discussions on certain key ideas and themes. Uh, again, uh, there will be maps on the Facebook page to help you visualize NATO and the Warsaw Pact, as well as the reduction in the Soviet Union's territory on the Facebook page. There will be the Facebook page link in the description of this podcast. I will also be posting in this description of this podcast the links to all sites where the this podcast is currently available to listen to since it has now managed to reach other platforms other than just Spotify and Anchor. Uh, so I will be aiming to get a third episode out by the end of this week. I have yet to fully decide what to do it on, though I am the edging towards doing a short podcast on China's One Belt, One Road initiative that it began recently. Well, I say recently in the past few years, but... I will continue to think on that and hopefully catch you with the next podcast.